proudest day, and the proudest time, and the, the seat of a relic here. Because that day, and that hour, and those minutes, I got the butt between my teeth. You know, I really stood up and was counted and said, this is not getting away. I remember when we pulled on our helmets, and, and, and Donald says to me, what are we doing? I said, we're going for gold, Barrett. That's all we said. I can still pick to that run. That was just the best, best run ever. Welcome along to Crunching Gears, the Rally Podcast. Uh, this is a, a special and featuring uh, the one and only Mark Higgins, uh, three-time uh, British champion, and but that's only half the story. It gets a fascinating tale right from the a you know his inception in rallying in the Isle of Man right through, uh, Connor uh, travels the world. You know it's it's a fascinating story. Absolutely, listen, fantastic story. You know, I had the pleasure of seeing Mark competing over here, both in the in the BRC as well as on a couple of Irish tarmac runs, and then you know James Bond doubled to boot. Yeah, for sure, for sure, and like you know even. To, yeah, you know, is the, the burning desire to come back and have another wee rattle at maybe the Irish Tower at some stage as well too, which is, you know, it's testament to him, but also te- testament to Irish rallying that he still thinks that this is somewhere that, you know, that's still where it's at too, which I think is brilliant, really is, you know. But like, what a story, what a guy, and I think we'll hear from Mark. So absolutely delighted now to be joined by Mark Higgins. Mark, you're very welcome along. Yeah, no, it's great to be involved. No, I'm looking forward to this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One or the other. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, like, I suppose, Mark, we start off at the early days, growing up in Isle of Man. Like, your mum and dad were into rallying. Was that sort of what sparked the passion? Yeah, I mean, the Isle of Man was very much a sort of motorsport uh, mecca anyway. Um, but my grandparents rallied. Um, my nana and my granddad, they were doing the Manx. I think they actually finished second overall on 66. They should have won it. Um, but there was a, a minute penalty. And in fact, the, I can't remember who won it in the end, but he actually gave my granddad the trophy. So it was it, rallying was everything. We go out and watch it nice in a pram. I remember doing that with my brother. Um, and Easter was always, there was an autocross on, then there was a, a another event on, there'd be a night rally during the weekend. And it was just everything. Mum and dad's social life was all based around the motorsport. So it's all I ever wanted to do from when I was a kid, really. Um, I was asked when I was four years old, by the primary school teacher, what do you want to be? And I said, a fighter pilot or a rally driver. But I knew I was never going to be a fighter pilot, so <laughs> I was very lucky to become a rally driver. <laughs> and that's the thing people, a lot of people probably don't realise about Isle of Man. It's not just, you know, the, the you know the Minx rally and the TT. There is so much other going on there as well. Like there's forestry rallying, there's single venues, there's night navs. There's, you know, it's such, a, such an array of sport going on there as well. Yeah, I mean, there, there was always something on. There was also testing as well. I mean, it's crazy. The Isle of Man is very small, but we actually have two motor clubs over there, which has always been a bit of a nightmare because they, they've never got on with each other and they're always <laughs> trying to compete with each other. But uh, it, it, yeah, it was, a, it was a very big social thing. I mean, back then, my mum's mini, she'd use it for an autocross, an auto test, and then a night rally because mum drove as well, you see, when we yeah. started. Um, so it was, yeah, it was great, but you can't quite do that with an R5 car now. No, it's not. <laughs> I just can't get much shopping in it. No, take the kids to school or nothing. No. <laughs> and the, those early days, whenever you started competing yourself, it was a golf you started out and then moved into a, a Suzuki Swift then? Yeah, but I mean, before then, because on the Isle of Man, you can drive at 16. Ah, yeah, of course. So I, I remember um, 
all I could do is wait to be 16. And there was always a threat they were going to change it to 17, like the UK. And funny enough, um, I've got friends and family, which even two years ago were thinking, they're going to change it, they're going to change it. <laughs> we're going back 30 years now, they haven't changed it. So as soon as I got a driving license, um, I got a night rally car. It was an old uh, Opel Manta. And uh, we did some night rallies. And then I bought a stage car, which was an absolute shed of an Opel Manta. My first, I think my first stage, I was third quickest. It was a stage rally, but then I crashed on all the others. But <laughs> I, I had a moment of brilliance and then uh, ran talent after that. But, yeah, it's, it's all I wanted to ever do was, was rally. Is yeah, I, I, where I worked as an insurance broker was below the Manx International Rally Office. And uh, that was, uh, you know, Jimmy McRae and those sort of people would come in who were my absolute idols. And um, yeah, and then they'd leave messages with me to, to go to the office. Yeah. So that's actually how I met my sponsor. We can get onto that later. <laughs> oh, brilliant. <laughs> but isn't that mad that such a small world, like, you know, the place you work was where you got an opportunity to meet your idols and all as well, too? That, that's a lovely story. Well, yeah. Well, how I became, I, I was working in insurance um, as an insurance broker. Nobody thinks I've ever had a real job, but I did for three years. <laughs> but my boss, uh, a guy called John Tarrant, was a, a, a massive motorsport guy anyway. Again, all met through the family through motorsports. So it um, it got me going with work. And then I realized that work wasn't for me. And I got into rallying. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, you know, the talent was there right from the get-go. Because, like, I remember, like, Plum Tandle featuring yourself and your mum, uh, you know, from very early on. Well, I think it was the Circuit Ireland coverage in the, the wee black Suzuki Swift. Yeah, well, that, that I think that was 1990, that was. Mm -hmm. um, so we... we, we We'd met this sponsor. I'll, I'll just go back to Roy briefly how it all started. <laughs> he used to come into the office in the Isle of Man and uh, he ran a couple of girls in that Suzuki Swift and it was sponsored by Hartnell. Um, they were a company that did the Queen's clothing. It was a company he was involved in. And Roy actually started, a guy called Roy Dixon, started off historic rallying really to a certain degree or was very instrumental in it all um, getting going back then. But he just happened to say one day, oh, I'll have to get you in my car one day. Well, that was it. I, I clamped onto that statement. I rang him probably every week for about a year. And eventually he gave in um, and he gave me a test to do the RAC rally. And I did a test down at Bagshot. And the next four weeks later, I was doing the RAC and the little Suzuki. And then the following year, we ended up doing some British championship. Um, I went to Sweden. I He basically sent me off. I was 16, well, no, I, wasn't, I was thinking I was 18 then, with a van trail. I'd never been hardly off the Alaman, and I was driving across to Sweden. No mobile phones then. <laughs> I remember my mum ringing the boat at one point to uh, ask the guy, um, is there a Mark Higgins on the boat? Because we haven't heard from him. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that was how it started. Then obviously we went to did the Circuit of Ireland with my mum co-driving. And uh, we had a really good rally, to be fair, but it's... With ups and downs, and I, I, I could I, I could talk to you about an hour about that rally alone. <laughs> <laughs> but wasn't that an absolutely like an amazing contact that somebody was at you know at somebody at eighteen years of age was prepared to give them a car, a van, a trailer, and go and have an adventures to get there. Well, what Roy actually did, um, he saw that we we were quite quick when we started, um, and he actually took me out of my real job and gave me a full time job. He paid me my same salary for a year. So I, I suppose I became a, a, a professional driver. I was working for him, helping him organize his historic rallying. So we'd drive down to San Remo with his car on the back. He had an old Ford Zephyr. Um, and for a year, he sort of looked at me, looked after me, got me into a load of rallies. 
which then got me my first works drive the the following year in 92. Yeah, and that, that was the amazing thing that you went into the, the Vauxhall team very quickly. And the, to have, of all people, Dave Metcalf as your, you know, your teammate, that, that, yeah. was, that was a baptism of fire, wasn't it, back then? Oh, I mean, that, that was the, the problem for me all year. I was just trying to beat a few stages out of Dave and it, it caused me a load of problems. And the, the team said to me every time, don't worry about Dave, but you, you do, you, you know, you, you want to try and beat your teammate. And I got myself in a few pickles trying to be faster than him. <laughs> <laughs> a couple of stages all year you know he, he was fantastic in the car and he's obviously very sadly missed but uh it was great to get that opportunity to get in with a big works team um and we also had the shell scholarship at that time which was a massive part of um motorsport at the time it was a great award we had alistair robbie um bernsey you know don buckley myself and we were all with a chance of this uh, scholarship, but thankfully I'd signed up to Vauxhall before I went into the final of that, which was uh, was great, really. Yeah, because, like, you know, we often hear, you know, like, you know, the Formula One, Formula Three, you know, the, the British Rat Pack. But just for, the, you know, the rally and equivalent to that, like, you know, there was such a glut of really great talent, you know, around the UK at that time. Yeah, it was great. And, and what I think what's been really good about that, we're all really close mates um, still now. Alistair, we speak to him regularly. Um, Johnny Milner, I was best man for him and godfather to one of his kids. Robbie Head's one of my best friends. You know, Burnsy was my son's godfather. So it, it, it's amazing how close-knit we all were, really. And, uh, and I've been doing some racing with my son um, in the last few years, karting and now car racing. And there's not the same bind that there is in rallying, you know, no. The great thing about rallying is you have a crash. It's all, it's either your fault or you blame it on the co-driver. <laughs> <laughs> but racing, unfortunately, your whole race is influenced by other people, so yeah. nobody likes anybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that you know it could have been so easy to you know build up rivalries there and think, oh, he's going to take my drive or whatever. But there wasn't that. There was no animosity really then between us. No, and I think everybody, to a certain degree, helps each other when they can. Obviously, when it gets down to the nitty-gritty, you're out there to win. But, um, you know, socially, we'd all be out at night after a rally all the time, having a great crack, uh-huh. and then, um, get on with the business when we could. And, yeah, we had some good years back then. Yeah. And, like, you, you know, even at that stage, like, you were still only 19, 20. And even to get the opportunity like, to go and, you know, compete, like, at your home event, but the, uh, what you call it, Belgium and all that, at that stage, like Belgium was and still is to this day, basically a step down from the WRC. Like, was that like? Did you ever like this young fella growing up now, the man, to suddenly be catapulted to this? Did you have to pinch yourself sometimes? Oh, I, I, I've pinched myself all the way through. I've, I class myself as a nearly man. I nearly got to where I wanted to be. I didn't quite achieve my ultimate goals, um, but I've been very, very fortunate to to still be driving for a living. Even now, I'm still doing driving. Um, and to think as a young man, getting that opportunity to to even know the, the people that we've met and to to know people like Ari Vatnan and, you know, you can call them and ring them up and things like that. It, it's, it's just, um, yeah, it's quite surreal, really. And uh, I mean, Belgium was a, was probably one of the most important rallies that I, I had, really, and got me my works drive yeah. with Hoxall. And back then it was an open recce. It was in 91. We'd sold all our cars, the Suzuki's, to get this chance to to, to drive um, with the Vauxhall. There was a Nova challenge going on, and there was also the Peugeot challenge. So the purpose of the year, we'd rent a car from each to try and get ourselves up the ladder for the Shell scholarship. So we finished two seconds of Burnsy and the Peugeot challenge. We, we rented a car, which was an absolute disaster. 
I didn't really enjoy that thing. And then <laughs> my first ever left-hand drive car was the Nova we hired actually off Dave Metcalf to do Ypres. And it was a two-week recce. My co-driver, Cliff, couldn't do it all the time. So Martin Rowe actually came and helped me um, for a week's recce. We'd just go out at night, flat out. And it was, it was a flat out recce. It was a, yeah. it, that was a rally, as much as a rally as anything. <laughs> and then, then we went into the, to the rally and um, we had some really good times, but I crashed about three times during the event I put on it. So I got stuck in the ditch. But there were seven stages where we matched Bernard Munster, second for second. And we were one second a stage down on Dave, but we were about 25, 30 up on the rest of the challenge boys. So they saw we had a bit of pace, but just couldn't keep it on the road. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, we I mean, the car came back, it had more <laughs> on it with horrendous. I've got a picture of it somewhere, it's not pretty. <laughs> but as you say, that, that led you then to step into you know, the works team. And then, you know, it was bad enough having Dave Metcalf as your teammate. Then all of a sudden now you, you've died the well, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, well... It wasn't getting easier. <laughs> well, no, well, well, Die came in. I mean, at the end of... The, during 92, there was talk of me and Dave maybe driving the Calibra. Oh, and yeah. that project was on the cards. And unfortunately, at the end of 92, David had his accident and we lost him. Yeah. So for me to go into the Vauxhall team as number one, I wasn't experienced enough. Right. So they bought... Um, uh, die in and then I ended up driving a clubman car for Harry Hockley Motorsport Okay, and, uh, we just had a, a, a disastrous year with that unfortunately yeah, we had a, like a misfire problem for a long time we finished okay with the RAC but it was it was a it was a bad year really and we had a we had a really bad accident in Ireland on Ulster oh, yeah. where we, um, we had a collision with some spectators and uh, sadly one guy was really really badly hurt it was a, it was a horrible time for us because we were we were told we weren't allowed to visit the guys and um, you felt like a real criminal for what happened. Yeah. Uh, I met the guy in question. I think he was in Donegal about five years later, and he had a limp, and he, he, he was fine about it. But yeah, yeah, quite a traumatic time when as a young boy back then. because ah, not even been allowed to get and see how they were and nothing. As you say, then you felt that you know, you know, you were probably thinking, "What's he thinking? Why is this guy?" Yeah, but, you we, know, we, told, we, we couldn't even make contact, and it's terrible. And you, you just see it now with how the world's gone with litigation and what yeah. have you. But. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a sad time nowadays, but I didn't think it was going to happen back then. But uh, no. mm -hmm. we got over it, and they have to lose in Dave and that. It was all a, yeah, yeah. Quite, a, quite a funny old time. Mm -hmm. And the, the, I suppose then '94 was kind of like a step back to take a step forward. You want, you know, want to ask with for, with the Honda, and the, those were a fantastic week here. I, I think I'd have to say that was one of my. It, it was one of the best years I had um, with Richard Asquith. He called me up, and Richard's a guy that's helped. Um, so many young drivers. He helped Neil Weird and Niall McShay, uh, my brother. And it was it was always people. That, I, I didn't have a drive at the end of that year in '93, really. Um, he, and he's picked so many people up. We had a very limited budget. Castrol came up with some money, and Honda did. And he said, "Do you want to drive this Honda?" And I thought, "Well, it's going backwards. I've had a Group A car now to a Group N car." But I think we did eleven rallies. We we won our class in all eleven events. We we nearly won the overall Group N British Championship. I think we missed out by a point. To the to Martin Rowe that year, um, so it was a fantastic year really, and that started to get us noticed down the Nissan ladder, and mm -hmm. yeah, all things sort of happened. But we'd almost dropped off after our '92 year, losing the drive with Vauxhall, or not losing, mm -hmm. not having the drive with Vauxhall. It was um, looking very difficult, but it perked up with Honda. Mm -hmm. And the, you know, there's the still the video doing the rounds, and it pops up in you know your Facebook feed around every like doing the, the stage in the mics. 
you know, talk, you know, talking everybody through what's happening. Like, was that something you planned, or you know, you know, you talk about now going viral? That would have been <laughs> that was viral in its day. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I sort of it was an idea to try and do something a bit different <clears throat> then, and I talked about it with the co-driver Cliff. And funny enough, that car's in my garage. I've got that car now, the the Honda, because it was it was a great car. So I, I it came up and I bought it. And it's restored back, absolutely back to how it was in '94. But yeah, we went down that, and I think Cliff. I think we actually went faster with no pace notes. <laughs> Time with notes. But there was a couple of moments I had that one where Robbie Head, I said he, I remember there's a bump on the right, and we were nearly in there as well, and that would have been really embarrassing. I lost my driver, but been talking and crashed there. <laughs> but like you know, obviously growing up now, the man was it like a road you were familiar with, or was it you know driving to sight a lot of it too? No, I mean because as a kid before you started rallying, you just you drove all the rally roads. Yeah. that's what you do you go out every night you'd spend your petrol money what you had left and you go over all the rally roads and that's all we did really there wasn't the cars around so getting ready for the manx or whatever you you did really really work and learn the roads um yeah. definitely i needed pace notes but you could drive yeah. to a very decent level without them mm-hmm. <laughs> couldn't now yeah. i can't remember what i did, no, I can't remember what I did an hour ago <laughs> But like, then, you know, 1995 then was a real dolly mixture of a year. You, you drove nearly every type of car there was that year. Yeah, I mean, that, we've gone from a really good car, the Honda, and then we were up spec to this Peugeot 306 uh, with work support. Mm-hmm. And Richard built it. It was a bit of a club car, but it was the worst car I've ever driven. It was terrible. We had we didn't finish a rally with it. It wasn't really competitive. Um, and I lost a lot of uh, sort of confidence in myself because... It was such a long way off the works cars. We were up against Alistair in the Nissan. Oh, yeah. But that year, um, I did a championship in Thailand with um, Subaru and Martin Sporrell. Again, we had a very unreliable package, unfortunately. But at the end, when the car was going, it was great. We had a we just had one silly problem. It was overboosting all year. We could never really find it. But it was a great experience to be out there. But then we got a couple of drives with Nissan. Um, and once, as soon as I drove the car, I realized that we could sort of still do it and everything really changed overnight with that. Yeah, and like, was that almost like an epiphany, like you've been driving the 306 trying to compete with these guys and suddenly yeah. you had the, the same equipment as them and you're like, this is what I've been missing out on all along? Yeah, well, well there was there was times I was absolutely driving my, my nuts off and I was miles away and you just thought, I, it can't just be the car, you know? Yeah. I was really starting to doubt myself, but as soon as I did drive a proper works car again, it's, um, it all sort of clicked and yeah, the times came. Yeah, and like that Sonny was, you know, the cream of Formula Two at that time, really, wasn't it? Oh yeah, it, yeah. It was it was a fantastic car. It was very reliable. It was well sorted. I got offered the chance to go and do a rally in in Turkey. Um, my teammate invited me over to help him win the championship, and we ended up winning the rally, which didn't go down that well. <laughs> <laughs> but they threw everything out as a jump start penalties. We actually had a three minute um, penalty. And we won the rally in the end by about five seconds. But rather than coasting, I had to drive absolutely flat out for the whole rally. But yeah, that, that was my first international win. Um, that was that was good. Apart from I sprained my ankle when I got my award and ended up in hospital that night. And there wasn't even alcohol involved at that time. Very unlike me. But the, you know, as you say, then that was the, you know the springboard to the, getting in with the. You know, Dave Wickett run the team at the, the Nissan, Nissan Motorsport Europe team at that time. And like, how can we put this? Like Formula 2 at that time 
and probably is now to this day, the BRC Pinnacle League. I don't think it has ever been as good since. And it's been a long time before that since it was as good as that. Like this was second only to the WRC, really. Yeah, I mean, we were very lucky, but I, I, we didn't realise it at the time. I no. mean, I remember doing it and thinking, oh, God, I wish it was like the old days with Vatten and the Black Escort. And, you know, when Rothmans came to the Isle of Man for the Manx, it was incredible. I mean, yeah. it was like the TT. It, it was a fantastic event. Um, and But now we look back at the F2 days and we had six or seven teams with two or three drivers that could all win rallies. It, it, it was fantastic. You know, mm -hmm. it, was a, it was a great time to be around. Yeah, and like, the, and it wasn't even just teams; it was proper manufacturer teams as well. Like yeah. that's that's what they were throwing all the bells and whistles at at the end as well. Well, well our testing program we do a week's testing before each rally, pretty well. And you know, we would get a new car every rally, then they'd sell the old one on because there was such a demand for the for the used cars, um, for all the other different championships around the world. Mm -hmm. I remember P six NME on about three cars in Motor News. <laughs> 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 but it was, uh, yeah, it, it, it was it was a great time to be around rally, and we're very lucky to be part of it. Um, but it was flat out; everybody was having offs and and what have yeah. you. And it was it was a lottery right till the end. Yeah, because it was nearly almost won it or done it nearly, wasn't it? A lot of the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, it, 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 I mean, as I say, all the, even the testing we did, it was it was our full time job. Yeah. Only to do five rallies in a championship, but there was enough stuff going around it to make it worthwhile. Yeah, so we were, and the, yeah. you know we look at the BRC now. We're not going down the whole rabbit route, but like to, to you know all them guys are bar like for Mo are all clubmen paying for their own rally. Back then there was what you say like ten, twelve years guys getting paid to do this. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really difficult now. Uh, you know, I, my my son would love to go rallying, and I don't know where to start with him. <laughs> and mm -hmm. I think as soon as we lost. A manufacturer in the British Championship, unfortunately, it just took a decline. And it, it, you've got to have 200 grand to start off with to buy the car, then another 200 grand to run it yeah. for a season. And when you're getting entries, like we're not even getting 10 cars doing a British Championship round, which is so sad. Yeah. And, and even the mileage now, uh, I mean, to have a British Championship rally that's got 40 stage miles just doesn't seem right. But mm -hmm. we've got to move on with the times. And, uh, yeah. Hopefully it does come back again because it's a it's a great sport. There's great roads around the, the UK and Ireland. Yeah, because like you know, it was, it was second to the you know the WRC that's day, and like, to see it, like but the, the, you know the nucleus of all you know everyone's still there. It just needs to be yeah. tapped into properly, doesn't it? You know, I think really that's what. Well, we haven't even got a Manx rally. And we haven't got a no. rally GP at the moment, so yeah. we need to. You know, that's pretty poor when you think of our heritage. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. It's yeah. Let's hope it gets better. Because like if you look at it, you know the most you know the, the most exciting rally in the UK is in the Sorry Rally. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, what just been on the Roger Albert Clark? It was incredible. Yeah, and then you know the the Sunny then was replaced by the Almera, which probably wasn't their best move. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I thought you were going to mention that car. <laughs> I went over to I was over in Ireland recently yeah. with Donna, and I drove the car again and. Um, he said, I'll get you a car to drive. And he said, I've got the Alamir. And I thought, oh, bloody hell. <laughs> yeah, and I, and I, got, I, got, I got in it. And honestly, it brought back every bad memory I had of the car. It hasn't changed a bit. But uh, don't get me wrong. It was on paper at the time. It was a fantastic opportunity to go to do the World Championship. Um, if we'd, we had the car for Rally GB at the end of 97, the Almira, which was literally the sunny bolted into the Almira. Uh -huh. um, we should have probably won F2 um, on that event.
we had a problem. Like, well, I hit a gate post on the last day and we were climbing up without a puncture. But then the following year, everybody tried to get a bit clever with it and it just went backwards. I mean, it's probably the biggest or worst year of of, um, of my career, really. Yeah, isn't, isn't it funny? Like, um, you know, like a manufacturer team can go from so good to, you know, <laughs> maybe not fair, so bad, but, you know, they, you know, turn the, 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 the wrong way so easily. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 it was just different people got involved and different ideas where we were trying to fix things that weren't broken. That's the way I looked right. at it. Yeah. Um, the basis was there, the, you know, the engine was good and all those type of things were good, but just unfortunately didn't work. And we had we had wheels falling off on tests and every time, and then you used to start to lose confidence. And once that's gone, the results were never there. I mean, for me to go to the Manx, and I don't think we set as top four time in the whole rally, I mean... That's for me sort of proved there was something wrong. Yeah, I because you, you, you like it was your was home my, event. That was that was your backyard. And, 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 if I couldn't go fast there, there was yeah. no chance anywhere else. You know, mm-hmm. so, I mean, I remember we did the, the shakedown stage, and flat in fifth gear, we just spun down the middle of the road on a, on something which I've never even thought about lifting for in my life, and I wanted to go home after that. <laughs> <laughs> and then you know the opportunity come then to move over to the Volkswagen team and. Again, like another strong team, and then back to Vauxhall again as well too. So, like, uh, you know, this was like again going back to the Formula Two thing. This continued for a good few years. That you know, it wasn't just a flash in the pan. That you know, the Formula Two thing lasted must have been eight or nine years, really. All in all. Yeah, no, it it did. Um, I mean, we we went to to Volkswagen with Steve Bagnell, who was my boss. He was a great boss. Um, had some great times with him. I actually did a race championship in Germany with him as well. Um, and by the end of the year, again, that was a. I've always said, if you're going to drive for a team, you always want to drive the second year. And that was a brand new car at the start, and it, we, we we were just developing it really. But by the end, we won F2 on uh, the um, RA, not the REC, Rally GB. So that was a, a nice way to finish it. And then going back into the kit car with uh, Vauxhall for a two-year contract, which is my first and only time I've had a two-year contract, uh, was fantastic and a bit of security. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the first year, Foxhall pulled out. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, uh, so much for your big plans. <laughs> yeah, well, well, well thankfully, I, I still got paid, which I then invested a bit of money into Ford um, to, to get involved with Malcolm and everyone. We're going to do the British Championship. And then foot and mouth came along. So we the actual nothing happened till one rally at the end of the year. So uh, yeah, that wasn't great either. <laughs> but like, you know, you said there was only one rally at the end of the year. The RAC, and like what an event you were having for, well, I suppose you've been helping to develop the focus, but like to be out of the seat for so long and getting back in, and like you were, I think, about fifth, sixth, um, you know, well through, halfway through the rally. And then you know, we understand Carlos Sainz, you know, there was an incident with a spectator and one thing and all. But the team decided to withdraw. Was that gut wrenching for you? Or? Oh it, yeah, I mean, we were actually. It was just before the last stage, which was the spectator stage. It just happened with Carlos, and I, I can remember it clear as day. Malcolm, we were lying fifth. Malcolm uh, called me upstairs. And I said, "All right, Malcolm, having a chat," and I, I was in tears. And even Malcolm was—you could see—he didn't want it to happen. It was, it was in his instruction. We said we got to withdraw. He said, "Well, can we not just do the the one more stage and think about it overnight?" And they didn't. And what was sad was that all the the people that were in the the accident with um, Carlos had actually tried to contact Ford and say, "Don't withdraw him. Don't withdraw him." You know. And 
but but from the outside, I was a very young driver. They'd already had Colin had a big crash, okay. then Carlos. So the whole thing of Ford having another driver and something happening is yeah. terrible. I totally get it, but yeah. at the time, I, I just couldn't believe it. Yeah. Yeah, because, mm-hmm. yeah, like, you know, this was, as you've seen, your opportunity to put yourself there in front of the manufacturer teams and this was it. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, back, back then, I mean, if you look at the, the WRC then, probably there was 12 or 15 guys that were in with, in with a chance of winning a rally. So yeah. even to get in the top five, I was, yeah, I was over the moon at that. And mm-hmm. yeah. If only, eh? <laughs> <laughs> Fs and buts. Got <laughs> plenty of them. Yeah. And then, you know, I suppose 2001 was a quiet year, but then 2002, the chance come to go over to America. And like, this was a, a like competing against against your brother that, you know, this was probably re- renewing old rivalries that had gone on for years now at this stage. Yeah, I mean, David had been doing quite a bit in America in Group N cars, and we we had this opportunity with Hyundai. And again, it was a brand new car built by Buckley Motorsport by Dom Senior. Um, and it was uh, literally, it was, it was almost like a Mitsubishi Evo built into a, a Hyundai. But it, it was it was a great year, but unfortunately, we just had a, a problem with the gearbox. So, you know, we, we didn't really finish many rallies at all, unfortunately. But it was a great experience to be out there. We did Pikes Peak. Um, and I remember <laughs> that just sort of topped the year off that we went off the start line and the power steering pipe came off within 100 <laughs> metres. So I'm fighting up Pike's Peak. We get to the halfway point and uh, then the turbo blew and we parked up and I just put my head in my hands. <laughs> I think maybe Michael Gibson was with me at that point and uh, looked at each other and I thought, well, that, that's that. Yeah. <laughs> but like, as you say, that was a carrot that had a lot of promise. And the, the, I always think the great thing with the American Championship is the the range of events like you can have almost a condensed wrc because you can have snow rallies you know yeah. you know mountainous terrain flat out gravel there's everything there yeah and the, the snow rally is probably the most dangerous rally it's called a snow drift i've ever done yeah. uh, there's no pace notes there's no studs and you're flat out and then suddenly a junction appears i mean <laughs> i remember going past we saw the junction a bit too late because even where the arrow was we started breaking and we went past about 20 spectator cars down the road <laughs> But uh, it, it was a very different event, yeah. And uh, but it was, it was just nice to do something different, and we've been lucky to travel around the world doing rallies, really. Yeah, for sure. And the, you know, I suppose we should mention as well the Manx that year too. You get a chance to do it in uh, David Greer Corolla WRC, and yeah. like to get back in your home stages uh, and a, like a, a top line car, I suppose at that time. You know, the Corolla maybe wasn't peak, you know, you know peak uh, performance at that time, but still a very capable car, and back and showing what you're capable of as well. Yeah, that, that, that was great. And that sort of got us back on the map a little bit, I suppose. Um, you know, it was still a very big rally then. And it, it was it was a big deal to do the Manx, you know. So, and we'd won it in 2000 with my first win. And then to get another chance to go there um, in the Toyota was great. And I just loved driving that car. And that was my first time I'd driven a WRC car on tarmac. And it was just an absolute pleasure. And it, it was quite funny because we moved on to the Focus later on. And everybody sort of said the Focus is very twitchy. On the bumps, you know, when you go to Ireland and stuff. Well, compared to an F2 car, it was like an armchair. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it was really nice to get in these WRC cars, which were just fantastic to drive. Yeah, like, you know, and like, that was the year that uh, Nesbitt sort of wiped the board with everybody here in Ireland, you know. And like, I think you beat them by something like five minutes or something to finish up. I know probably he was, maybe, you know, he'll say he was trying with the championship in mind and all that too. Yeah. But like that, for a car you were unfamiliar with, you know, I know, yes, you knew the roads and all that there, but like, that was a great performance. 
yeah it was good and we did we did it very much as a little private team with with dgm you know it was good i just remember being a really nice experience the whole whole week um and just every time you got to the end of the stage i was smiling driving a car like that because yeah. you know it wasn't many years before then that where when Carlos was driving it and they were using it as the top flight in the WRC. Yeah. So uh, mm -hmm. they didn't have to change gear properly. Had a little paddle. That was oh great. yes, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> so, I was like, I remember everybody thinking the PlayStation time. Like, yeah, like that. Yeah. <laughs> and then back to the RAC and uh, M Sport Focus again to end the year. And like 2002, the WRC. We talked about the BRC being at, you know at its best. Probably around that time, the WRC was at its zenith as well. You know, the, the, how many man manufacturer teams, and like you know, we still had Burns and McRae. You know, there was a huge interest from the British public even at that stage still as well. Yeah, yeah, it was good. I mean, we were part of a big team then. There was four of us on the team. There was Marco Martin, Carlos, Colin, and myself uh, doing it that year. And all, you know, all to be lined up in that company alone was was again you had to pinch yourself really. And it, it was nice on the radio because we had radios there, not just telephones. And when Carlos is asking what's what time did Mark do and stuff, that was quite cool. And we, there was a few places we had some good runs, you know, with Colin and, and Carlos. And we we're a little bit off there, the overall of what Colin was doing at the end because he was on a, an absolute mission. But um, we we got some championship points and finished. Uh, I think it was sixth that year. Yeah. So I was more than happy with that, to be fair. I, and like you know. Not no no disrespect to M Sport, but you probably hadn't the the, the same tools as Colin and Carlos. They would have the absolute latest latest developments. Were you maybe like a, a small step behind? Um, well, we were actually sometimes doing trying. I wouldn't say behind, but we were often doing something, trying development before them. I remember we had the first panel one year. Yes. A bit of I think Malcolm is fair in that respect that the right. cars were very, yes. very similar, to be fair. Yeah. But um, <laughs> we hadn't been driving it all year. To, well, to step in at the end, the last rally of the year when everybody's been in it for, for 12 months. But uh, yeah, they were still cool cars. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And like, you know, again, we talk about, you know, those are the cars now we're looking back and going, you know, they were, you know, the bee's knees. Yeah. Yeah. I wish I'd owned a few now. They were. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we already knew. <laughs> yeah, and then you know if there was a few years then of like uh, you know production world rally championship at that time then as well too you know dipping your toe in and out of it like I suppose it was nice to do those events but there was never anybody ever graduated from the PWRC into the the main field really you know was it just getting an opportunity to go and compete in those rallies and keep yourself in the shop window almost. Yeah, I mean, I suppose Yari Massey, he sort of progressed a little bit, but anyone that progressed had budget behind them to go to the next level. I mean, I suppose Group N then was what WRC2 is now. Um, I mean, WRC2, the drivers do seem to get progression because the manufacturers involved. The problem was um, the manufacturers weren't really taking you on. I mean, I, I remember looking at my career when I started, you had to be in your sort of 30s, 40s to get works drives. And when I got to 30s and 40s, I had to be 20. <laughs> That didn't really work. But, uh, the Group N thing was a great way of experiencing the World Championship. Um, it, it was a good little championship. And we got to do some amazing rallies, really. And I was with an Italian team called Top Run. And that was just a new experience again. Because at that, I was doing a lot of work with Pirelli. I was a test driver for Pirelli for a couple of years. And they sponsored me in the championship. So I was riding a WRC car for testing and then doing some Group N rallies. And there was one year in particular we were doing the British Championship, the Irish Championship and um the production world championship and i think in may i was leading all three <laughs> and then things changed 
that's to do with a motorbike, and that's another story. <laughs> <laughs> but like, you know, I suppose then, you know, I, another one that jumps out at me, like 2004, the, the Manx again, and a Skoda Activia, again, a car that shouldn't have been doing what it was doing. And like, I think the result, like something like fifth or sixth overall, doesn't tell the whole story of the event. Like, you were throwing that thing around the island like nobody's business. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it was a private car. Um, it was a bit of a last-minute deal we threw together. And we did a little test with it. The car was quite quick, but it was a bit of a handful. It was a big old car. But I really enjoyed driving the car. We, we were getting it better, but unfortunately, we had a prop shaft break. And we, we dropped something like 10 or 20 minutes. But, um, yeah, we were definitely in with a fight, that car. Or that would have been quite a shock result. And yeah. if we take away the little problems, like everybody has problems, it yeah. we had a good chance of winning that rally that year. Because, mm-hmm. you know, there, there's like a group on Facebook, the Gravel Crew, and like as far as they're concerned, the, the Tavia WRC is the ultimate rally car, you know, and like, it's yeah. funny, it's, it has gained such cult status now at this stage. Yeah, yeah, I mean, well, there's a lot of things that we look back at that we, we didn't really like at the time. Yeah. <laughs> and they're great now, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> but it was, it was, it was a really, it was quite a powerful car. It was a little bit agricultural compared to like to the Toyota. Mm-hmm. But it, you know, it was still pretty good, and I suppose they hadn't really used it much on tarmac so much in or done well in the WRC on tarmac. Mm-hmm. But the Manx in Ireland are so different to anywhere else, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's coping with bumps and and stuff rather than actually just lateral corners all the time. Mm-hmm. For sure, for sure. And then you know, like you always kept that connection with M Sport and the, the opportunity to come up then to do the, the uh, events then again with M Sport like, and yourself and I think it was Trevor Agnew done, done was it five or six rounds then? Was that 2004 or five maybe? Um, five, I think 2005. Yeah, 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 we got to do some world. I think we only ended up doing about four in the end, yeah. but Trevor came out to do them with us. Um, and, and that was coinciding with the uh, British Rally Championship as well. Yeah. And we were doing the um, Production World Championship. So yeah, we that was when Eddie Stobarts got involved. That was the, the main sponsor there. And I was a test driver for Ford for the best part of seven or eight years, um, which was a fantastic experience, really. And yeah. it was it was very nice to be involved with M Sport, and we had some great years there. Yeah, because like you know, you can still think of you know the the jump in Greece and all. Like you know the, the, that vision of yourself and Trevor, you must have oh, eight or nine foot in there. So I did, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, well, that <laughs> that was quite a good one because I we actually came in. I hadn't seen the picture. I knew we were high there. Yeah. And then um, I went into the M Sport because we were on one side and the, the other guy's the other side. And like I said, anything to tell me on that one? He says, no, no. Do you have a heavy landing? I said, no, not really. And then he had a picture on the wall. And he <laughs> and I had to confess to that one. Yeah. <laughs> but we got on the ride. We got the, we got on the calendar, the, the end of the year calendar. So it was, oh, well. <laughs> it was <laughs> worth it all. I think it was the first private car to be on the, ah, on the calendar. So that cool. was nice. Yeah. <laughs> but the... You know, like Stobart were so good to you that year, you know, as to say, you know, BRC, WRC and PWRC as well. Like Stobart was a, a fantastic sponsor. Like it's not money that would support you in three championships, maybe one, but three was, you know, that was brilliant, wasn't it? Yeah, well, we had Pirelli, they were, they sort of looked after me for the um, the world um, and Stobart's got involved with this uh, bit of a freak thing, really. It all happened it was a they had a campaign in the british championship um and they wanted a new driver malcolm said go and have a chat with mark they actually came down to my house in a helicopter the helicopter nearly blew the roof off i thought this was going to be a little helicopter coming into land it was a big augusta 109 
and we had a tin roof on the on my garage and the whole thing ended in the overgrade. <laughs> so that was my first sort of meeting with the guys there. We went across to their factory and we said, right, we'll do Ulster Rally. Um see how that goes. And then it, it sort of went from there and, and we got their first win for the Stobarts with Ulster. Mm-hmm. And uh, we then did the rest of the season with them and we've had a relationship ever since really and they've been absolutely fantastic with me they're actually looking after my son now with his racing so it's been a fantastic relationship and William Stoddart I'm actually going to see him again next week he's 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 been a very close friend and uh yeah he's been very very kind to 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 keep me rallying Mm-hmm. And the, you know, again, you know, you say there about the Ulster. Like that's there's two things that jump out of the, the the focus in the Ulster was the telegraph pole. That was at the start, of the first or second stage, wasn't it? I think you yeah. quite early on. Then. First, first stage on the second day. Uh, and yeah. that was the which year was that? I think that was the following year after yeah. the year mm-hmm. in yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the the hairpin and Barnes gap. Then too, you come over <laughs> the jump. And, <laughs> but what a recovery! <laughs> it looked like I did that on purpose, but I certainly did. <laughs> I wasn't thinking that when I was changing gears in the no. year. Um, um, yeah, it was quite, quite, quite a good one. Yeah, and like, I, like I'm here in Donegal, I can't go past those 2006. Uh, yeah. The Mitsubishi, uh, the Lancer WRC, like, you know, I spoke to Andrew Nesbitt and he says that this was the world car. This wasn't, you know, the, you know, the, 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 the tamed down version. This had all the bells and whistles. And like for you and him to go head to head in Donegal, that like he rates that as one of his all-time great achievements. Like, do you look back fondly in that rally now as well? Oh, I do. Yeah, it, it was it was a great event. Um, I mean, it was touch and go. We nearly didn't start the rally because uh, there were sponsors on, then they were not on, and uh, I think uh, Andrew had a couple of sponsors which were going to be involved in the whole team, and they let him down last minute. So it was actually John Easton at Mitsubishi that says, "Right, we'll we'll, we'll make this happen," and we did last minute. Um, and the car felt fantastic. It was great to be involved with John. And I, I, I do quite a bit of work with John now. But I just made a stupid mistake on the first bunch of stages. We, um, I looked at the weather and the roads were pretty well dry. And Andrew's going out on wets. And I'm on slicks thinking, what are you doing, Andrew? And uh, that was it. it. was a fight back after that, really. Mm-hmm. And it was a great, great event. And, uh, yeah, we ne- we nearly got it because he then made a mistake on the very last stage. Stage, yeah. In the Atlantic Drive, yeah. he nearly put it over the hedge, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> So, never over till it's over. No, but like that is uh, like in my mind and a lot of other people that will go down and is probably one of the best ever Donegal rallies. Like the the array of world cars that was there that year. Like I think you know there was world cars, there was Group A cars, and then there was Group N cars. Like yeah. the first modified, well McRae obviously, but outside that I think the first Mark II Escort was number forty one or forty two in the road. Like and that never happens in Ireland. <laughs> Uh, no, it, it was incredible. I remember yeah. even being in the briefing room, you know, before the yeah. rally starts, and you're looking around at all the people and all the cars that are there. Mm-hmm. It was, uh, yeah, it was pretty special. Yeah. I mean, Donegal's always special. It's, I, I must say, it's it's the one that's got away. Um, I'd love to to still have a go. Maybe I'm too old now, but it, it's the, it's the one rally I would have loved to have won that I didn't win in Ireland. Uh-huh. And you know, again, then we have to say then 2007. Uh, like, well, I suppose we finish off 2006. Colin McRae there as well. We can't forget that as well. Yeah. <laughs> but like 2007, um, you get the opportunity in the Pirelli Subaru as well. You always said you know Pirelli would be so good to you as well. Like the the S11 was like a well sorted car by that stage, and the, the, the championship was ticking along nicely for you and all then too. And then Loeb appeared in Donegal. Like yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I mean that was a, that was a great year. The, the problem we had 
Um, that was actually the year where we were leading all three championships at one point. But then because the British Championship was Group N, we had to switch from the WRC car into the Group N car for yeah. the Manx and, and the Ulster Rally. <laughs> Uh, but Donny Gold, yeah, I mean, the S11 was not the, the quickest car, but it was a very good chassis because the S12 was out then, which oh, yeah. was a, a bit more grunt. And then that Sebastian Loeb came over. So, yeah, and, I, and we had a fantastic first day. I mean, I remember saying to, to Sebastian on a world round, when you go to Ireland, you don't, you, you almost want to have a gravel suspension. And he sort of looked at me, okay, Mark, well, we know what we're doing. Mm-hmm. But when he's over there, he says, yeah, you were right. <laughs> 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 yeah, we, we were taking a second a mile off him for the first day. So what I should have done, I should have parked it and I could have lift off that for the rest of the mile. I know, but you got a puncture early in the start, I think first or second stage in the start. But like, do you feel you could have held them off for much longer or, or once they got the car sorted, was it going to become like a steam train anyway? Uh, we, we, we were sort of dealing with the championship and once I had the puncture, um, landing off the big jump where there's a famous picture. We did some damage to the shocker as well. So we lost quite a bit of time. Right. And then the stage after that, I overshot the first junction. Um, we, we did a thing with the, da- and again, it's an ifs and buts. There would have been four or five seconds at the end of the rally. If we looked at the time we'd lost and mm-hmm. probably backed off a little bit because there was no point chasing Seb. Yeah. And he obviously got a lot faster when he got the setup working. Mm-hmm. But I'll, I'll just go with the first day. I'm happy with the first day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're framed it up on the wall. <laughs> 28 seconds ahead, below <laughs> seconds, yeah. But, you know, again, you know, that, you know, the fact that the world champions were coming to Donegal, I know for myself and a lot of, you know, that was such a, a thing of pride. And, like, you know, we spoke to Rory Kennedy, your co-driver at that time, and, like, he says, you know, driving around, you, you're just were heading out to the, the recce, and suddenly you meet, you know, like a Citroen van or something coming the other way. Yeah. And it's, it's almost disbelief. Yeah. Yeah, and it was just great. I mean, we had Herman in on one of the rallies as well. I think it was on Cork, wasn't it? Yeah, it was just great to see them coming over there using it for a test for when we had the WRC over there. The WRC rally in Ireland was fantastic as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was just a really great experience. Yeah, so uh, fingers crossed that it's coming back again in 2025, yeah? <laughs> that would be fantastic. Uh-huh. And again, you get the opportunity then in 2008, again a mix of BRC and ITRC. But the global group that was sponsoring you in, the, you got you got your hands on the S12 at that stage then as well. Yeah, that, that was a nice little deal we sort of put together really at the start of the year. Um, we just about won the first one. Then we went, I think, Circuit of Ireland, we were having a good rally there. And then unfortunately on that rally, we were on the start line of the stage and there'd been a hold up and they'd stopped the stage. And I had the handbrake clicked on. And with the... S12, you launch it with your foot full on the brake pressure, and then you just you full on th- full throttle and take your foot off the brake. But I hadn't taken the handbrake off, and it was just it was slightly downhill because I had my foot on the brake anyway. Went off the line and did the prop shaft in, and that sort of <laughs> yeah, that was the end of that rally. Derek wasn't very happy at that no. one. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so that that was a shame, and we, we only got to do I think two or three rallies in the end with with Global Group, yeah. and it was great to drive the car and. We won the circuit. It wasn't that was the only year it wasn't called a circuit. Yeah, it was the Easter stages or whatever that year. Yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah.
looked as if it was going to be a very exciting project because they, they were putting a lot of effort into that car as well that day. Yeah, I mean, I think the chassis on that car was one of the, the, the better chassis. Unfortunately, the engine just didn't have the grunt of the right. other cars. But it was a really, really good fun to, you know, it, it was great because it was like an F2 car with a bit more sort of sideways and drivability. Yeah. Uh, it had the sound, which I think I, I think is so important to, to rally in. Like, we, love, we love listening to like the, the Roger Albert Clark, all those cars coming through the woods and mm-hmm. you can't beat a, an Escort coming through and no. you know, Webbers and wow. Uh, uh, yeah. yeah. I just think, you know, don't get me wrong, the, the, the new cars are phenomenal, what they can do and everything else, but, you know, it's hard to tell one from the other. Like, you, you can tell, you know, a BDG from a Stratus, from a Metro or whatever. You know, every car had its own distinctive noise back in the day, yeah. really. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the, yeah, that, definitely. The, and you know what was coming. <laughs> yeah. And, the, you know, the, the MG was promising so much. Like, there was a BRC and there was, you know, plans to do the WRC. This was a car that, that seemed to be... This was on the cusp of greatness. Yeah, it was. I, I got involved in it towards the end, really, when it was privately owned, and we, we sort of got a, got a few drives in it. Again, the balance and the way it drove is fantastic, and uh, it, MG were at one point looking to do quite a bit with it mm-hmm. through MSD, and the, the potential was there with the car. But uh, again, unfortunately, just didn't quite have the the BHP to sort of push it along. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, you know, like, uh, I suppose 2009, there was the, the Richard Burns Memorial Rally, and like, like you talk about iconic rally cars, probably a car that, of the category had caught on that GT3 category, like this would have been, we talk about noise, this car would have had fitted the bill for noise. The Aston Martin, like it was, it was like a jet plane. Yeah, it, it, it looked lovely and it sounded lovely. Mm-hmm. It ran out of brakes very quickly. <laughs> we never quite got that sorted out and we actually... I think on that particular rally, we had when we lost the brakes, we didn't lose a little bit. We had nothing. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah, and, and unfortunately, on that event, we actually had a rear wheel taken off. Um, we were overtaking a back marker because uh, it was a single venue type event, and he just didn't see me and turned into the back wheel and ripped the back wheel off an Aston Martin, which I wasn't great. It wouldn't leak the repair bill. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. I think it was actually it was one of the guys from Harry Potter. Um, oh yeah, Grant uh, wasn't he? Yeah, his uncle or his cousin or something. Yeah, yeah. Sounds, yeah, yeah, uh-huh, yeah. I knew that guy. The magic at that time. <laughs> you could have done with the magic wand effect. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and like, another car you drove at that time as well, around that time, was uh, the Carlos Sainz uh, Group A Impreza. Yeah. You know, like you talked earlier about you know uh, McRae and Alistair and you know Colm and all that, like. Was that sort of like a wee bit special to get back into the car that sort of was synonymous with Colin? I know it was it was Carlos's car, but still, you know, we think with the blue Subaru and the five five livery now, we obviously think of Colin. Yeah, well, to to drive REP, I mean, it was a very very iconic car because it was the proper car; it wasn't just a replica. Um, and I had Nicky Grist co-driving for me as well, which uh, you know, to do Grisdale, I think we did we did we won the Grisdale in it, and we also did the McRae stages. So to, to drive that car on those stages, it, it's a beautiful car. Yeah. I actually had a lot of success with that car in, in Italy. We did a lot of rally sprints. Yeah. Um, we won Bologna um, twice in one of those cars, yeah. another rally sprint, and it was, it was a lovely car. Mm-hmm. It was a bit like a, I always I always thought of that car as a Mark to Escort with grip. <laughs> it had that sort of rearward balance, um, and it was just a real fun, lovely car. Yeah. I mean, you look at 30, you know, all the, all the, the videos of him in Ireland with that. It was, it was a fantastic car. 
For sure, for sure. And like, you know, like that, the way that Colin drove it, like there's an uncarried going around at the minute, like it's only like a, a maybe 20, 30 second clip. But like, that's just, I don't even think that a world car could be taken as hard. The way he, the commitment he had, the faith he had in that car was just still to this day is mind blown. But when we had the rally school in Carno years ago and they came and did a, a pre-test, it was Carlos and Colin did a test at our place um, before uh, Rally GB one year. And I sat in the car with Colin going down this bit of wood I know. And we were never pointing in a straight line. And he was telling me jokes as we were going up and down the road, you know, like he was just so, so natural with what he could do with the car. And he just made it dance. And it's so missed because unfortunately that way is not the quick way now with modern cars. Um, and they'll never quite be anything like what Colin was really. No, like he was, like it was, it was, it was beyond talent. What he had, it was a natural affinity. Was yeah. he could, he could, the, the the slightest input seemed to be translated through not just the front wheels but the whole car. Yeah, I, I think the car was part of him. It was, it was like, a, like an arm to me or you. You know, it, yeah. he could just make it dance and do whatever he wanted to and. Mm-hmm. It was always good to watch. <laughs> yeah, and they, they always say they take great uh, joy in getting somebody like yourself, you know, in beside them, and then you know, going as wild as possible. Yeah, well, I mean, the other thing was there was him and Colin driving at the same time, and it, sorry, not Colin, uh, Richard. Uh-huh. And I with Richard quite a few times in the car, and the difference in driving style was so. I mean, Richard was more your modern sort of style, but he Richard would drive the car, and he would never move the steering wheel. We did a test in Thousand Lakes with him, and we were sideways, left to right, over every jump, and the wheel was was that. He never moved it more than that. And in contrast, Colin was, ah, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> both fantastic. Yeah, I, and, you know, in their own special way, equally as quick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And, the, you know, we, they always tried to build up this rivalry between them, but it seemed to be behind the scenes they were real, great buddies as well. Oh, they were good friends, yeah. Yeah, there was yeah. a lot of respect for each other, so um, uh-huh. it's all good for TV, isn't it? Yeah, uh-huh. it was all yeah. part of the story. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, I suppose then, was it 2010, roughly, that you moved kind of look to China for a lot of events and one thing and another. Like China at that stage was seen as the, the next big hope for you know this after going to go down the WRC but it hasn't quite come together yet. But there were some interesting cars out there at that time as well. Yeah, I mean, I mean, China was was fantastic, really. Um, we we had a lot of great great years over there. The rallies, we, you talk about how diverse America was. China was incredible. We'd have a desert rally, a tarmac rally, a concrete, um, full gravel, full snow. You know, all in sort of five or six events and uh, there was always four or five really good European drivers. So we had the, the sort of five guys having a good battle and then we'd have the local drivers, our teammates behind. Mm-hmm. And it was good. I mean, China was one of those places you, you couldn't wait to go there, but then you couldn't wait to come home. <laughs> but uh, the, the cars were good. I mean, a lot better spec. I mean, there were a lot of ex sort of works cars went there from this country. Mm-hmm. They'd sort of fettle them and they'd gradually get worse as the year went <laughs> Not yeah. trying to do it their way. Uh-huh. I guess like, they had like Skoda S2000s like, with some kind of random turbo engine in them and things, hadn't they? they oh, yeah, them. yeah. They just throw in whatever, you know. <laughs> and then they try and copy everything, which didn't quite work. Oh. Was, I mean, like, if you have a talk with Niall McShay, he's got some great stories about it. Uh, it was good rallying with Niall over there. We, we had a lot of crack. Yeah, I can well imagine. I can well imagine. And then you get the opportunity to come back and do the Manx again, you know, with DMAC. And yeah. like, you know, had been out of that sort of level of competition for so long. 
and to be up against like Elton Evans, who was you know the, you know the new upcoming star in the WRC and you know, all that team, and you know was there sort of team orders where you kind of told the whole back a wee bit, or was it hell for other of the two of you? No, it, it was it was a it was a proper fight. There was none of that. Um, yeah. The only, the only problem I had on that rally was we were on different gear ratios, and that, it was the most frustrated I've ever been because we we were just on the rev limiter all the time. Okay. There was only one set available. It wasn't that, that Elvin chose it; it was the fact that his car had it, my car didn't, and there wasn't a spare one. Right? Um, yeah, we we that was the realization of how quickly Elvin was really. Um, you know, we 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 had, we had him on a few stages when it was sort of not big straights and tight and twisty, but his his overall pace was was quite impressive. Mm-hmm. I've never had anybody in the Alaman that's I've gone fair play. Yeah. <laughs> but then I was told by Howard and everyone to get ready. This boy's going to thrash your pants, and he didn't thrash us, so we had a yeah. we had a, we had a good yeah. little run. Yeah, yeah. quite happy with that. Because yeah. like again, you know, you, you know, you said earlier about these other guys had had been sitting in the seat all year. Like Elfin had the full year in the car as well too, which probably helped as well too. Yeah, I mean, it was. I think if I'd gone to any other rally, it would have been a lot harder. Going to the other man was obviously easy for us to be be right up there. But um, yeah, it was good, and that was my first time in an R five car, which I really enjoyed driving. So it was, uh, you know, on tarmac, it was it was it was great fun. Mm-hmm. And like you know, like whenever the R five become the the car of choice here in Ireland too, I was kind of oh, you know like the, the the world cars are the best and nothing else. But yeah. we see now what they've done. Like they have changed the whole landscape of rallying here in ireland it has been an inspirational category because like so many manufacturers the cars are still so equal like even now like a mark one fiesta might not be, have the ultimate pace but you'll not be far away if it's well driven no and the, 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 they seem to be quite reliable as well it's not a fortune to run them yeah. so it's it's made it i mean i don't know how many you have on a rent you've probably got 30 cars on most events now yeah. have you Mm-hmm. fantastic really yeah and you, it's not a guaranteed winner it's, it's no. the driver now it's down to the driver mm-hmm. you can't really keep with them there's nothing you can really do to them so um i i think it's really worked as a good playing field it's a shame it's not 100 grand cheaper to allow some of the other great drivers the chance to, to be in these cars mm-hmm. but um yeah you've got the r you've got the r5s and then you've got the mark ii challenge which yeah <laughs> that's over there that's even yeah. <laughs> And then I suppose Rallyan started taking a kind of more of a back seat, but the, you got, you were still involved in some fantastic you know uh, like projects like the 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 TT course and the Subaru like that was epic like you know like that gone down Bray Hill like that still you know ranks as one of the greatest greatest accidents that never was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the poor co-driver, I don't even think realised what you were doing. <laughs> I think he'd been watching rally videos of Colin and thought that was going to happen at every corner. Here <laughs> we go. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, that, the, the TT was something I'd always wanted to do. I mean, Tony Pond was a bit of a hero of mine winning so many Manxes. So that was always my goal to try and win what, what Tony had done. And then um, for him to do the TT and the Rover, it was always something I'd pushed and pushed. And it actually was a, it was neat. It was done through Subaru America with my brother originally and David oh. couldn't do it last minute. And I jumped in. And uh, yeah, it proved to be three fantastic years. We did it 11, 13, and then finally in, in 2016. But mm-hmm. a, a lot bigger challenge than I ever thought it was. And, and not so much from the driving. It's also it's trying to get a setup. They only gave us very limited laps. I think in 16, we had two laps in total. Okay. So if you get it wrong down the first corner, you, you, you're just going to suffer it. Mm-hmm. Um, but cooling was an issue because you're going so fast for such a long time. It was a... It was it was a really good challenge, yeah, yeah, really enjoyed it. Yeah, and like, you know, you know the roads, but like 
Did it give you a new respect for the, the guys in the bikes too? Like they are a, a different level craziness. Oh, I mean, my, my respect for them has always been massive. Anyway, I think what they do is is incredible over there. Um, but but you said I know the roads. I I knew a lot of the roads, but the section from, I think it was the, the bit towards Ramsey. I'd always gone over Thalty Will to get to that side of the island. So I never actually drove up and down there. So I had to put a lot of effort in. Mm-hmm. I was, you know, every time, because I was training hard, I was in the gym, you'd always put the, a lap of the TT with Pond, try and watch it and watch it and watch it. And his lap, actually, when you go back, was a very impressive lap, what what he did uh, back in the day in, in that car. Because mm-hmm. the gap wasn't far off a standard rover. Like it was a 827 Fitesse or something, wasn't it? I don't think it wasn't a, it wasn't yeah, but full that, trick, really, you know? It wasn't full trick, but I, it, it, was, it wasn't Group N either. It, no. <laughs> and they, they, they were lucky enough that they could run that car. They probably did about 20 laps in a year. Ah, they did. Okay. Um, but, but it was still to do that, what they did back then was a, a very big achievement. Mm-hmm. As a corner, he took flat, and I thought, fair play. <laughs> <laughs> I may have built up for that one, but I didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe the extra lap for that. Yeah. Never let me go back again if I crash there. Yeah. But like you know, there's a man we need to mention as Tony Pond. Like he was, like he, he lived near a man. He wasn't a Manx man, but he lived for a good few years. And like he was the the king of the old man. You know, the late seventies and into the eighties. Yeah, yeah. No, he was and just a, a real character as well. So I mean, he was rallying when my dad was rallying at that sort of time. So my dad would be in the Group Four Escort, and he'd have all them boys. I mean, Dad would often be putting it in the top three early on until we sort of ran out of tyres and ran out of clutches and, and parts. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, going back to those days of the Manx when Pondy was there, that was fantastic. And I'll watch a video of the, the old 80s Manx and stuff now, and it's still great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he had such great turn of phrase, you know, he never seemed to get rattled out. Like Donegal in the 85, like he, he retired on the Friday, you know, Plum was asked him what happened, uh, the throttle jammed open, no, oh, right, and like, was that, you know, was the car going fast? Well, it's geared for like a 147 miler. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Proper. I mean, some of his interviews are classics, aren't they now? Yeah. Uh, it's such a dry sense of humour. <laughs> and like, then, you know, as along with all that, you know, Top Gear coming up and, you know, like you had a few years there with Top Gear as well. Like, was, you know, can we say you were one of the stigs? <laughs> I couldn't say, possibly say that. <laughs> You're not in a position to confirm tonight. Yeah. yeah, no, we did quite a lot of TV work, and that sort of got me into my sort of film role, really, from doing a bit of TV work there. It started around about 2000. Um, we then did some co-presenting with the British Championship and stuff like that as well. So things start. I, I try to have eggs in different baskets, but if I had the choice, I'd be rallying every weekend, even now, to be, to be honest. Uh, yeah, and like you talked about, you know, the film work. Like one of the probably the coolest things ever, like was the the James Bond. Was that what two, three years ago now? I suppose really, wasn't it? Like that will go down. That chase will be one of those all time up there with the you know the bullet chase from back in nineteen sixty or seventy or whatever it was. You know, and yeah, I mean, that's still pretty epic. And when you talk about pinching yourself, I mean, my very first film I ever ever did was Quantum of Solace. I've never worked on a, any film. And it was actually Ben Collins, who was a SIG at the time. And they were wanting a, a rally driver to come down the, the gravel section of the quarry. So I got the call. And I was literally two weeks before. Do you fancy see? No, it wasn't. We were at the Autosport show in, in December. And we'd had a few beers. And he said, do you, do you fancy being on a film? And I, I said, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a Bond film. I go, yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> and then I was away in March. And I got a phone call that says, right. What are you doing next week? I says, bits and bobs. Right, we need you here for three months. Well, that to me was just so foreign to, to just drop everything for three months and try and plan your life around it. 
but that's what we do in the film industry now. And we went over there, did that. We did all the chase in the um, Alfa Romeo. I was the baddie chasing Bond through that. So that was my first ever film. And I thought, right, I'm a, I'm a movie star now. <laughs> and the phone didn't ring for a year, nothing happened. Uh-huh. We, we did Fast and Furious, which was our next film. And then I went from a baddie and Bond to Skyfall when I was Naomi Harris. I actually played her. That was a not a great look. <laughs> I'll show you a picture one day, but I can't show anybody. <laughs> <laughs> and then we sort of progressed and went from Money Penny to Bond on Spectre. I uh, drove the DB10 and then the DB5, which is just such an iconic car to drive on. Yeah. No time to die. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We've Batman. We've done quite a bit, really. Yeah. And, like, and, you know, I suppose start to wrap the thing up, but, like, you know, this young guy that was growing up in the Isle of Man and the teacher asked him, What do you want to be? You know, you want to be a rally driver. But, like, to have such a, you know, a varied career, getting paid to do what you love doing, that that is the dream. Yeah, I mean, if I'd said half the things we've done, looking, you know, we, as I say, I think I said to you earlier that I, I never quite got to where I wanted to be in my ultimate goal of the rallying and doing the world championship on a full time basis. But uh, we've been, I've been so fortunate. We've had some great opportunities, and you don't realize what you've got till you haven't got them. And yeah. I remember looking back at some of the drives we've had, and you think, well, you want a bit more, but you'd go back and have them all again now. And uh, rallying for me is the, the one big thing, but. On the back of that, I've managed to do some other great things with the filming work as well. So, and the likes of the TT, and yeah, um, yeah it's been great fun. Yeah, because like, you know, maybe if you had realised the, you know, the ultimate, you know, and getting a, a chance and doing a full season in a works car, these other opportunities might never have happened. Yeah, but um, I think you would have put everything into that. To be fair, and yeah. that you would take them secondary, but. Looking back, is it just to have a, a varied career? Is has been great, um, yeah. and my brother as well. You know, David's yeah. done really well to to still be in professional motorsport up until two years ago. Uh, we're unfortunately in our fifties now, so it's uh, <laughs> I had, uh, the older I get, the faster I was. I still I, I do miss him. I'd I'd like to have a play at something uh, sooner yeah. or later. Yeah, because you're saying like Donegal still, like, you know, one of the the ones that you, you, you the one that got away. Like, yeah. is there still a desire to come back one last time and you know do a top line event just to see where you're at? Yeah, I'd I'd love to. I mean, I was lucky enough because I was rallying in China until four years ago um, up against like Chris Atkinson, and we had you know the Pro Drive car. So although you when you know when I went to do the Manx with Elvin, I was still actually doing something in China, which was great. That stopped now. Mm-hmm. But no, it'd take a bit of getting new. You'd want you'd want to do a warm up rally somewhere, but it'd be nice to have a go before my eyes fail and <laughs> where I'm going. I might go faster then. <laughs> and then I suppose you know to wrap it up, like there was you know you could go back in time and there was one car and one event that you could go back and change the result. And is there one that you would you would go and right if I was back I would do this differently and that would have changed the whole t- trajectory of the thing. Um. Not so much an event. There was an opportunity I had many, many years ago. It was to do gravel notes for Safari. Um, and it was with Malcolm. And it was the time when you drove the World Rally car. Okay. And I can't remember who was driving at the time, but he injured himself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well, uh, and Petter was there instead. And Petter drove the, yeah. the WRC car. Yeah. And I had, I'd sort of, I was with Nissan and they wouldn't allow me to go because they'd organize a test for me to drive a touring car in, in Italy, which I ended up doing two laps of. So I suppose if 
something that might have changed if I'd ha- if 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 I'd had a good run yeah. in that car. Who knows? But uh, no, there's there's not there's not too many regrets. I would love to have done more World Championship rallies in in a WRC car on tarmac. Yeah. So I never did any proper ones on tarmac because I'd say tarmac was my forte over over the gravel. Really, mm-hmm. but, uh, it's not been too bad. There's not been not been too many regrets. It's been no. all right. The, the wee boy from the Le Mans done okay. He's done all right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, listen, fabulous. I could listen to, to Mark talk all night and uh, genuinely on, on behalf of the podcast uh, on behalf of Kevin and myself, really want to thank Mark for his time. Uh, it was fantastic to, to to hear Kevin catch up with him and to hear his story. And, and there's more there as well. I don't think you touched on everything, Kevin, either. No, no, we only really scraped the, you know, the surface, you know, but the, it was just a general chat. But like, what the story, you know, like, um, you know, as you say, there's so many rabbit holes we, we could have went down in, but we just, you know, we managed just to keep it just just above the, the, the waterline, you know. But like Connor, you know, Mark said before we started that he doesn't normally do these things. It's not something he was ever done before, but I think it was your tenacity or <laughs> thick skin. You kept that and, and you got it over the line. Like, and I have to say thank you very much too for making it happen as well too. You know, definitely it's up there, you know, because, you know, We've often said a chance to meet your heroes this podcast, and that was definitely one of those moments now, that's for sure, that's for sure. So that's uh, the Mark Higgins special. So until the next time, take care, speak soon, and bye.